Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned in to episode 55. The day has come. Our patience has paid off. We have finally made it to regular season football. We didn't really have a preseason. We didn't have anything of, of that kind. And uh, we didn't really have an offseason either, an official one at least. But we have made it. We are here and we couldn't be more excited. And today we are going to talk about some of what we consider the games of the week as well as a brief um a brief touch point on Clowney signing with the Titans. But first and foremost, I have my co-hosts Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan here with me. How are you both doing? Good. Since football's back, yeah. they, they released uh, the COVID testing results. There's only been one positive player in the past cycle, which is crazy. Uh, and of course, it was the uh, Jaguars' new starting running back, which is pretty funny. But, <laughs> you know, how's <laughs> obviously we are a Jaguar player. Yeah, uh, we got a little taste of college football. It wasn't, uh, it, it wet the appetite, but it wasn't a delicious meal. Didn't leave me feeling satisfied no. and excited <laughs> for, for more college football. Some blowouts unless you're, there. Unless you're a BYU fan. Yeah, if you're a BYU fan, you're jumping on top of your Mormon wagon and having a blast right now. <laughs> uh, but if you're Navy, um, might have wished that the college football season was just canceled altogether for, for your conference. But uh, looking forward to the NFL season for sure. Yeah, yeah, we we had a, a little amuse bouche, if you will, or exactly, you know, some yeah. some charcuterie, a little appetizer with the college, and now we're onto the main course. Um, before we dive into some news, want to give a quick shout out to a listener, Cooper Marshall. We had a technical issue last week, and he caught it and helped us out. So shout out to you, you're a real one. Appreciate it. Um, let's dive into the news of the week. There's only really one thing I think I want to touch on, and if you guys have anything else, you can you can uh, go ahead and interject. But Clowney um, to the Titans officially. It's kind of been an off-season story with him. We we weren't sure where he was going to end up. Uh, a lot of speculation as far as some sign and trade potential and some some interesting scenarios that didn't happen, but. He is officially with the Titans. What do we think about this? Yeah, so I've, I've said for a while I'm not a huge Clowney fan. I think he's incredibly overrated. You take away his names and or take away his name and look at his stats, and nothing, nothing spectacular. I mean, he's an athletic freak. Uh, he can change a game when he wants to, but he seems to flip the on and off switch way too much for my liking. Never had 10 sacks season. Coming off a season where I believe he only had like four sacks. Of course, half those sacks came against the Niners on Monday Night Football. So he can't win you games by himself. It's just he's either hurt or just doesn't try enough. But in terms of the fit with the Titans, I think it works pretty well. Uh, Titans didn't really have uh, a scary pass rush. They have some names there. They have Harold Landry, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, Vic Beasley, if he's still uh, playing football. Who knows with his... Uh, with his uh, skill. I mean, he didn't show up for the first, like, two weeks of practice. So, whatever floats his boat. But uh, that's a pretty decent pass rush now. And the Titans, they're a scrappy team. They're not uber-talented, but they made the AFC Championship game last year. And they'll be able to run the ball well this year once again with Derrick Henry. And it comes down to their defense, in my opinion. So, as long as they keep, uh, you know, controlling the clock, not getting some pressure on the quarterback, this helps their chances of winning the AFC South. No doubt. Yeah. 
Yeah. Totally agree. And just want to touch, I I bet it all on on uh, Derrick Henry in both my fantasy leagues with my hey. first pick. So <laughs> I got him, let's I got go him Titans. Too. I got him in one league and actually I got Devontae Adams in that same league. So now I'm on the boat that Devontae Adams, the second best receiver in the whole Dude, league. Okay. Yes. So in, in my other league, I also have Derrick Henry and Devontae Adams. So, so we're on the same boat, man. Go. The same boat. We're going to be I'm, rooting I'm, for those two. I'm going to count those as wins, as conversions <laughs> to the Devonta Adams hype train. Hype train. So, uh, Casey, tell us a little bit about, there was an interesting sign-and-trade potential that I, I think um, didn't happen, and I know you have some thoughts on that. Tell us a little bit about what you think about that and, and maybe why it didn't happen and how it could have played out. Yeah, I think that was almost more exciting to me than the actual signing because yeah. yeah. I feel like Clowney has sort of lived off of that one hit at South Carolina mm-hmm. where he blew up that running back in the backfield and then picked up the ball with one hand and he's ridden that one play in college through uh, multiple teams uh, a high draft pick etc cetera, etc cetera. so anyways uh, the Saints were in the running as well um, widely reported and they tried to, to pull out some some wild shit uh, they uh, were pl- planning to have on other team, um, it was speculated that it was the Browns sign Clowney, uh, guarantee part of his contract. So then the Browns would pay that portion of his contract as soon as you sign with the Browns. And then in return, the Saints would pay the Browns a second round pick to send him to New Orleans. So essentially, the Saints were paying the Browns to pay part of Clowney's contract because the Saints don't have the cap room to sign and pay Clowney what he wanted to. So it's a way to work around that issue. Uh, it seemed like the NFL nixed that and said it wouldn't be a fair way to uh, have fair bargains and that kind of st- stuff, um, which I don't know if you're creative enough to think of that and, and do it, you know, why not? Yeah. It's, it's sort of what the Browns already did with Brock Osweiler. Like they took on Osweiler's contract from the Texans and the Texans paid him a, a draft pick to do it because they didn't want to have his cap hit on their you know, on their books anymore. But but at least Osweiler played for a season That's on true. that team. That's true. I did this true. Is, this, it's an NBA deal. That's what it is. NBA yeah. does a version of this. NBA. Uh, NBA is a little different. Look, I think you have to re-sign with your own team before you get traded, but the principal idea is still the same. So it's, yeah. uh, it's interesting in that aspect. Yeah. I don't like the idea of the NFL coming in and nixing something like this, too. I mean, you have the rules in place. Let it play out how it plays out. If the GM is creative, let him be creative. Like, if he gets the Browns to agree to, to make this work, let it happen. Like, what's the downside? Yeah, and if you don't like it, make it a rule. Yeah. Wait, wait yeah. till next year, you know, let this trade happen, and then if the teams don't like it, they can change it next year. There shouldn't be that level of subjectivity. If it wasn't clowny and it was like some trash player and there was like a fifth round pick involved, the league yeah. probably wouldn't have even done gotten involved at all. But yeah. you know, I don't. I don't know. It it kind of brings me back to the no fun league. You know, NFL <laughs> acronym. I, it just it doesn't make sense to me. But go ahead, Casey. Finish your thought. No, that was that was kind of it. I, I think it would have been hilarious though if the Browns were just like, nope, we're gonna keep him now. We signed yeah. him. You're on the contract. <laughs> come come over. What, what are you gonna do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Dirtiest pass rush in the league there? Miles Garrett across from Jadavian Clowney? Hey, yeah. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. That'd be kind of nasty. Two dirty players on one line. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think we all know how I feel about Clowney and him. I'm I'm extremely biased. I'll just throw that out there first. He basically ended the Eagles playoff run last season. So, uh, you know, not a huge fan. I think he's overrated. He's had six years to prove that he's an elite pass rusher. He gets pressure. 
doesn't get sacks for whatever reason and hasn't. I mean, his highest sack total, I think, a few years ago was nine and a half. Never has broken that double-digit mark, which I know is sort of a vanity thing, and there's there's some arguments to be made about that statistic being somewhat overrated. But at the same time, we're talking about a guy who was who was pinned as a perennial talent coming out of the league. You expect you know that Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald type of of production out of a player that you take first overall in the draft. And he hasn't lived up to that. There's no arguments there that that he has. But he's still a quality pass rusher, and there's a premium for those in the NFL. So, of course, he's going to get money. He's going to get signed. It is an upgrade for the Titans, who I think are on the up. Um, and it, it'll, be an interesting, it'll be an interesting fit. I think he, he does slot in nicely. But I'm not a huge Clowney fan overall. And I think he'll probably continuously throughout his career get overpaid, like Casey said, based on the name and based on the flashy plays he had, uh, particularly that one in college that went extremely viral. But, um, yeah, it, you know, good fit for the Titans. Don't love the player. Um, physically dominant, but not not uh my ideal defensive end outside linebacker so um that's my take on it do you guys have any other thoughts on this before we move on to the games of the week i have one quick point for a guy who never seems to want to practice or go to training camp you could argue he is the fourth best pass rusher in his own draft class cleo mack i think easily better than him and then you have d4 and demarcus lawrence who may or may not be but they have more sacks than him Mm. So, I mean, kind of ballsy. I mean, it works for him that he doesn't practice and just kind of shows up when he wants to. But when you're paying a guy $10 million or $12 million minimum for not incredible production, I don't know. Kind of risky. Yeah, that's that Brett Favre strategy. Say you're going to retire, and then once training camp is over, oh, wait, no, I want to play again. Now that the hard stuff is over, I'm down to I'll I'll practice? Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 I'll take take $12 million. Yeah. Well, and Aaron Donald. I don't know if you mentioned him. He was the same draft. He was he? So I didn't even yeah. yeah. He was picked thirteenth overall. That was this was one of the strongest drafts yeah. in recent memory too, just overall, both from uh defense. We had some really good wide receivers as well, OBJ and uh Mike Evans. Um so yeah, I, I don't crazy. know. I don't think he I think he was overhyped coming out of college for sure. He was a physical specimen, but like I don't I'd have, I'd rather have like Miles Garrett at oh, this yeah. point. Or you know, Nick Bosa. Either either Bosa. Um, there's other pass rushers that I think were more equatable at that number one uh, draft pick than Clowney was. Sure. But anyways. I agree the fact that sacks are not the end-all be-all per se, but when you're a number one overall pick and supposed to be this incredible talent, you have to get sacks. Yeah, you, you got to produce at some point. He's a, gr- he's a really good run defender, but yep. you got to go get the, the flashy stats to go with it. Yeah. Yep. Amen. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the games of the week. We have some really interesting and exciting matchups. A lot of a uh, lot of high-powered teams facing each other week one, which I don't think is an accident on the NFL's part. So I'm I'm really excited for some of these that we're going to talk about. Let's start off with the uh, the first matchup: Texans at Chiefs. Durgan, what yeah. do you think will happen here? I- I'm going to go with the defending champions: Chiefs 35, Texans 24. Just too much offense. From the Chiefs, uh, their offense and their defense, too, is very similar to last year. So I don't think they'll miss a beat. As is for the Texans, they have a new running back. They lost DeAndre Hopkins. They do have a really good foursome at receiver. So they, they can score points. But I think the Chiefs are going to blitz them early. And the Texans will be playing catch-up, but won't be enough. 
Yeah, I'm sort of on the the same side as that. Uh, I have the Chiefs as well, and I think overall defenses are going to struggle the first couple of weeks. Uh, sort of like when we saw that lockout year. Uh, when was that? Like 2015 or something yeah. like that? Yeah, before um, that even. I think 2012, 13. One of those ago. years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, defenses were like trash. They were hot garbage for a while because you just don't get to practice tackling. You don't get to you know, practice communication, all that kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, they've had some work, but they haven't had preseason games. I, I don't know how many live periods they're ha- they're, they'll have had. So I think tackling is going to suffer. I think there's going to be a lot of blown coverages. Uh, and when you're facing a team like the Chiefs that are, you know, returning most of their guys and can already score a ton of points, that's not a fantastic combo for week one. Um, so... I have the Chiefs winning 41 to 34. I think it'll be a pretty high-scoring game, and it'll be closer than uh, what the uh, wild card was. That wild card weekend or the divisional round? Divisional, divisional. Yeah, than the divisional round game was. Um, but I think ultimately the Chiefs are are gonna start out one and zero. Yeah. So we're all on the same page on this one. I also have the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs win by um, a a one-score game. Last year, the uh, Texans beat the Chiefs in the regular season by one score as well. Um, And I agree with you, Casey. There will 100% be rust just across the board, and it'll be interesting to see because this offseason has been, even even in offseasons with lockouts, like I, I think there's sort of different ways people can prepare that you can't necessarily do in a pandemic. So I'm I'm interested to see how this plays out, but I think we'll see the first few weeks of the season just in general across the board feel a little bit like a preseason with some mistakes being made and learning uh, happening on the fly. But listen, as long as Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks don't just like shatter it like glass in the middle of the game and they're <laughs> out they there might. on the field. They might. They might. They might. I mean, <laughs> let's not forget those are two of the fastest receivers mm-hmm. in the league. Um, and they've both played at elite levels throughout their career just in spurts because they've both been consistently hurt. If they're out there and, I mean, David Johnson's no slouch if he's healthy too. This this has to be the most glass football team in the league right now, though. Like, yeah. if they're healthy, this is an elite offense. Um, but that's a big if. None of these guys have proven that they can be for long periods of time. But if they are, I think this is going to be a really, really fun matchup. I'm, I'm excited for this one. And if it was midseason, I think it'd be an even higher scoring affair. Um, let's not forget the Texans were, were winning that AFC divisional round game, too. And they beat the Chiefs in the regular season, like I mentioned. Uh, but the Chiefs are just too good. They're too good. Um, offense beats defense in today's NFL, in my opinion. And I think the Chiefs win this by one touchdown score or one uh, one score, thirty-one to twenty-seven. But this will be one of the most exciting games of the week. Yeah, it's a good Thursday Thursday game Opener. to start things off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it'll be a competitive yeah. one. I think it. I think it might be kind of a slop fest too, a little bit, just in terms of like you said. I think the defenses are going to be all over the place, um, but. It'll be good to see Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller for a game or two while they're while they're on the field, and right. and then see what happens to the Texans the rest of the season when they're not on the field. Don't forget, <laughs> former Packer Randall, Randall Cobb is is now also on the Texans. So. Hey, he might be a fantasy yeah. pickup as a handcuff once I the mean, other two got, are down. I think, yeah, they've got Kenny Stills too. Four, He's not a bad yeah, player. four solid guys: Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb, spread. Will Fuller, Brandon spread. Cooks. Yeah, no tight end. David Johnson and Deshaun Watson. That's it's pretty good. Deshaun Skill Watson, positions. who's a rich man, who signed his contract yeah. yesterday, second highest paid quarterback in the league. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. good for him. Well deserved. Um, hey, I said it, man. The Texans—they have all the pieces if if they can stay healthy. But 
I don't have any faith that they will. So I, I took yeah. Will Fuller in my fantasy draft. Same if here. He's healthy. I think he's <laughs> really. Yeah. Are we, are we the same team? We're, we're drafting the same player. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, he he has all the potential in the world, and he always has, and so is Brandon Cooks for that matter. But um, you know, you got to be on the field to produce. So we'll we'll see. I think this will be a fun matchup. The next matchup, I think, will be fun as well. You'll notice a trend here. I think all the matchups will be fun week one that we've chose for you guys. But we have the Packers at the Vikings. Casey, I'm sure you have some interesting thoughts on this one. But let's start off with Durgan and uh, hear what he has to say. I think it's going to be more of a uh, street fight in the first game. Uh, Both teams, I think, will want to run the ball. But I got the Packers 24-14. Packers swept them last year. The Vikings, I went back through their schedule last year. The best team they beat in the regular season was the Cowboys. So they didn't beat any teams over 500. And then they went to the postseason, of course, shocked the Saints. And I know I've crapped all over the Packers' run defense for the last, like, nine months. Uh But the Vikings' run defense lost a lot as well. I mean, there's two defensive tackles they're starting are Shamar, Steven, and Jaleel Johnson. Two seventh-round picks from a few years ago. Never heard of the guys, so not very good. So I think Aaron Jones, there's a run the ball with him. A.J. Dillon, now sprinkle him some action in there. And Aaron Rodgers is better than Kirk Cousins at the end of the day. So Vikings, all, it, neither team on these got better either. But the Vikings lost Diggs and lost Everson Griffin. And the Packers just didn't lose anybody huge or didn't acquire anybody. So Packers, I think, started season off 1-0. Yeah, they might have some no names in the interior of the defense, but remember Yannick Ngakwe signed, so yeah. now they've got some but big names he, on the he's outside. Been on a team, he's been on the team for a week and a half, so. Yeah, but. Uh, by week five and six, he'll be a lot better than he is week one. Sure. Yeah, but it's, I think there's less of a learning curve. It's not like they're, he needs to learn a whole route tree and you Fair know, enough. Play, playbook necessarily. Go get the quarterback. Even if you put him in rotational at, on third down or something, uh He'll have an impact, I think. Yeah, and I think that's sort of where the matchup is coming down for me. Like Durgan was saying, it's gonna both teams are gonna want to run the ball and establish uh, establish the run. Uh, problem is the Packers lost Brian Balaga in free agency, one of the better right tackles in the league, and uh, both the potential starters at right tackle right now for the Packers are both hurt. So they they're not hurt Oof. to the point where they can't play, but they're like nursing injuries. So now you've got. Uh, a non-preferred starter probably at right tackle against two elite pass rushers um so if you can slow them down with the run and you can establish the run and and do that kind of stuff it'll open up time and and all that stuff for for aaron Rodgers to work the play action and all the things that matt lafleur wants to to get to uh on the flip side you know the the vikings offensive line really hasn't improved all that much either so you have the the smiths for the packers and i think that's sort of where it's going to be one which edge rushers are going to make a a bigger impact on the game uh and ultimately i have the packers winning because i'm a little bit of a homer and i think they're (laughs) they're like during said they they're returning almost all their guys they didn't really lose anyone big didn't really add anyone big either uh except for christian kirksey on defense um so i think that sort of cohesiveness Rodgers has apparently had a really good camp um, and looks sharp and more on rhythm, which is stuff that he struggled with last year. Um, so I think ultimately the Packers are going to be a little bit more cohesive coming out of the out of the gate. 
the Vikings have some very young secondary players, and Rodgers should be able to pick those guys apart with Devontae Adams. Uh, and I have the Packers winning 30-26. to 26. I could definitely see that happening. You know, I think you, you kind of mentioned my my concern and why I think what I think would determine this game going one way or the other and it's Rodgers picking this defense apart and in order to do that LaFleur has to kind of commit to Rodgers in the pass game and my concern is that he won't do that all signs are kind of pointing to the Packers being run heavy and play action focused Um, and I'm not certain that that's the formula for success against this Vikings team Um, so really what I think is going to happen is it's going to come down to two key players, Dalvin Cook for the Vikings and Aaron Rodgers for the Packers, assuming LaFleur kind of schemes the against the matchup correctly and doesn't force the run. Because the, the Vikings, you know, you have two young, um, relatively young, maybe not amazing interior defensive linemen, but overall, it's a pretty good run defense. They, they were 13th ranked in yards allowed total uh, last season. Meanwhile, the Packers were 23rd ranked. So it's if it's going to be run versus run, it favors the Vikings ever so slightly. If you can lean on Aaron Rodgers to be Aaron Rodgers and make things happen, I think the Packers could edge it out. But I'm not confident, and I don't know what Lafleur has up his sleeve. Um, and for that reason, I'm going to pick the Vikings 27, Packers 24. So I think the Vikings edge this out. It'll be close, and I think the Packers could definitely win. But the ball is in Lafleur's court. Well, I you're guess. dead to me, first of all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, like like we've both talked about, like I think it's going to come down to that interior uh, defense and the the run game. And for me, I think Aaron Rod or Aaron Jones is, uh, as many people may know, uh, a better running back than Dalvin Cook. I believe I've got Aaron Jones, who's the who's a top five guy, and I didn't have Dalvin Cook in my top five. So you oh got uh, a better better running back there. I think the, overall the Packers have a better offensive line too. And uh, while their run defense may also struggle at, at times, um, I trust the, the run game of the Packers a little bit more than I trust the run game of the Vikings. So I have to rely on Dalvin Cook being healthy and decisive and also rely on that offensive line. Yeah, that's definitely true. And, and really what I think it is is the matchup more so than saying Dalvin Cook or Aaron Jones is better than each other. I think Dalvin Cook has a better chance to succeed against the Vikings run. Uh, no, other way around against the Packers run defense yeah. than Aaron Jones does against the Vikings run defense. That's the only reason I say that um, all, all the other things being equal. I mean, Aaron Jones, you could make the argument is better than Dalvin Cook. But I think if Dalvin Cook also had the durability that Aaron Jones has had to a degree and didn't have so many injuries between uh, his rookie season to now, it wouldn't even be a competition. So I don't, I don't know, but that's why it's, I put it so close because I could really see this going either way. And there's just some unknowns with the Packers. I think LaFleur is going to kind of take the reins this season and we really see what he wants to do versus kind of coming in and adapting what has already been going on in Green Bay. Um, so I don't, I don't know. This will be an interesting one. I'm steaming inside. I can see that. <laughs> Well, we'll talk about we'll see what happens. Smoke out of your there. ears. Uh, let's move on to another matchup that's a little closer to Durgan's heart. Oh yeah, Cardinals at 49ers. What do we think here? Yeah, uh, it's gonna be a close game. Uh, the spread right now is minus seven for the Niners, and I, I, on paper that makes sense. But the Niners and Cardinals match up very well against each other. Uh, last year, 
both of them were one-score games. Well, second one with a one-score game until a crazy ending happened. They scored on the last play, but that only count. But the Niners were coming off of short weeks both times last year. First game was a Thursday night. Second game was after a Monday night game. So now they've had months, in theory, to prepare for this. I'm a little more confident. I am nervous, though, that Fred Warner, Niners' best linebacker, is on the COVID list. So who knows if, when he's coming back and how healthy he'll be. Uh, team can't really release how these guys are doing. If they're asymptomatic. They do have symptoms, how they're being affected. So we don't really know uh, if he's going to play or how effective he will be. That being said, though, when I talked about camaraderie earlier, the Niners have that. They only lost two, three starters um, combined from a season ago. Defense will be humming. I'm not confident in the Carl's offensive line. And then when it comes to the run game for the Niners, I think Mozart is going to be a madman this year. They're going to feed him the rock. Don't need any receivers when you got him and you got George Kittle and Jordan Reed for the two weeks they have Jordan Reed. So I think that play-action game will be opened up well. And it's going to be a close game. I got 27-24 Niners, but I would not be shocked at all if uh, the Cardinals pulled this one out. Yeah, I, I would think my biggest concerns were, uh, like you said, you don't need receivers, but uh, that does limit your personnel grouping. So I would expect a lot of two tight end sets, a lot of use check, a yep. lot of George Kittle, a yes. lot of Jordan Reed, because we don't know if Debo Samuel is going to play. It seems Hopefully like half not. your half Hopefully your not. backup uh, receivers are also hurt. Uh, well, the thing is, so, their, their backup receivers are their starting receivers. They have Debo yeah. and then everybody else. So the drop-off yeah. from guy two to guy five isn't, at this point, a huge thing. A difference maker, yeah. Uh, so uh, Shanahan's like the best at scheming guys open. And, you know, if you can run and catch a ball uh, at a decent speed, then he'll find a way to get you open and, and scheme up some big plays. Um so I'm not super worried about that, um, but it's really going to test that Cardinals defense, and I'm a big believer in the Cardinals defense. I think things are going to slot in, and they're going to have one of the better defenses this year. Um, they have Hopkins on on offense. Kenyon Drake was playing really, really well down the stretch. Uh, they have Larry Fitzgerald, who's probably not as fast as he used to be, but um, he still kills a solid. the Niners every year. Doesn't matter yeah. how old he is, he kills the Niners. He finds a way to to make a play. Um, so ultimately, I've, I've maybe a bold prediction overtime, and the Cardinals will win on a field goal. So that means each team is going to possess it at least once and not score, and then the Cardinals will win on a field goal, twenty-four to twenty-one, in overtime. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked. That is bold. If that happens, then we need to talk about your time machine. And <laughs> um, you know, both games last year were surprisingly close. Um, I think to a lot of uh, unsuspecting Niners fans, the Cardinals played very well. And the Cardinals definitely improved this offseason, more so than I think the Niners did. The Niners stayed cons- consistent and steady, but that's really all they had to do. I mean, it, you, you were in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm really thinking that this will be an ex- more of an exciting matchup than people realize. Uh, but this is a Niners team that is arguably the most well-rounded in the league. You could argue that their wide receiver group is kind of lacking without Debo and you know you got Brandon Ayuk who's a rookie out there but George Kittle man he's he's a receiver he's a tight end he does it all so I think that if anyone can scheme to win 
it is Shanahan, and I could see it being a struggle just due to the nature of this Cardinals team being a lot better this year. You know, Kyler Murray, if he improves, it could be it could be the opposite of what I'm saying. But I'm going to stick with the Niners. I mean, I I can't bet against this team um, yet until I see otherwise. So I'm going to say 49ers 30, Cardinals 24. But I think this will be a closer matchup than people realize, just as it was last year, but even potentially more so given the the Cardinals improvements. And one key matchup to look out for is Chandler Jones versus Trent Williams. Chandler Jones, one of the best pass rushers in the league. And then you have Trent Williams, who's one of the best left tackles in the league when we last saw him play. So Mm -hmm. if he's back at that level, uh, all indications at training camp that he was just dominating the very good pass rushers the Niners have. But practice a lot different than games. He hasn't seen game contact in over two years, really, or a year and a half. So. That's going to be a key matchup. If he's back to where he was beforehand, that's a great sign for the Niners. Yeah, I, I think Arizona's closed the gap, and that matchup is going to be key. And I think really it sort of comes down to uh, the Niners can play at, I would say, 85 or 90% and still win, uh, with the Cardinals playing at 100% and playing a perfect game. Um and if one team is going to blow out the other, it's going to be the 49ers blowing out the Cardinals. Um, but I think the gap is a lot closer than it, it was last year. And I think mm-hmm. that the the couple additions that the, the Cardinals have made might result in the one score that they lost by last year. Um, but I would yeah. not be surprised if San Francisco just come, comes out angry from losing the Super Bowl and just beats the brakes off the Cardinals. Yeah, I, so. I think we could see them split this year. To be honest, I mean they're going to play twice, so I could see it. I could see it being one and one when it's all said and done. Um, yeah, Cardinals are going to surprise some people for sure. Let's talk about the next matchup. We have the Tampa Bay Bucks at New Orleans Saints. Durgan, what do you think, man? Yeah, I believe this is the Sunday night game, which is a great Sunday night game, especially for Week One. But I'm going to go with maybe a little bit of a surprise. I think the Saints beat the Bucks. Easily 31 17. I've said all offseason the Bucks you see in week one are not going to be the Bucks you see in week seven, week eight in the playoffs. They have so many new weapons on offense. It's going to take a while for them to mesh. Uh, Brady's been in the same offensive system for 20 years. Never had any star receivers besides Randy Moss, but he never had a one two punch like Godwin and Evans. And we want to throw in Gronk and you want to throw in uh, OJ Howard. Now they got Fournette. That's a lot of Chiefs, not many Indians. So you got to be able to tame all those personalities. The Saints, same team as last year, essentially. This is their year. They might be looking at their cap space. They got to dump off a lot of contracts after this year. So they are so focused on winning this year. They'll come out firing. They'll come out hot. Breeze will put them up by three scores in the first half. And then at that point, it's going to be over. Yeah, I... You know, what makes me worried is a lot of teams or a lot of quarterbacks playing in Bruce Arians' offense their first year throw a lot of interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, the Bucks have a ton of weapons. And clearly the best offensive team that Brady has worked with. And I think I read, he tweeted out like a, a few weeks ago that this is the first offensive-minded head coach he's had in his entire football career. So high school, yeah. college, Oh, NFL. wow, really? So... Uh, first time he gets to have that little bond with his head coach, but talking about offense and not defense, <laughs> you know. Uh, 
but I think they're there's just too much firepower for the the Saints to defend. And uh, here's some more very specific predictions. I'm going to predict that Brady throws two interceptions, but also that the Bucks don't punt the entire game. Ooh. Um, so they're either gonna gonna score or turn the ball over. But I have the Bucks winning thirty-seven to twenty-eight, uh, and starting out the season kind of hot. Um, I think those interceptions are gonna come come back to bite the Bucks in a few important games um, as Brady sort of learns that system, and they're they're gonna lose a couple. But I, I think they're gonna sort of be be grooving in that uh, first game. Uh, Brady has Gronk there, old reliable. If he, if, you know, he isn't connecting with Evans and Godwin, he can bump it down to Gronk. Um, I don't know if Fournette plays, but somewhat of a, a, a home homecoming for him. Played at LSU, so he's back in Louisiana. But uh, I just, I, I don't know that the Saints have enough to to keep it up in a, a track race, which sounds weird to say, but really, it's Kamara and Michael Thomas and. You know who else is gonna make a play? Jared Cook, Case I guess. Emmanuel Sanders. Taysom Hill, come on. Emmanuel uh, Sanders. I, w- I would say Taysom Hill is more likely to play make a big play than Emmanuel Sanders is in this game. Oof. I, I'm just saying he's a weapon. I mean, he's 33, but he can still play. Yeah, sure. Anyway, this is what I think it comes <laughs> down to. Assuming that you have wrapped up your thoughts and yes, illogical rant about the, somehow Tom Brady throwing two interceptions and the Bucks still winning by 11 or 9 or whatever you had. Um, first of all, there's no chance that if Brady throws two interceptions that the Saints don't don't punish them severely for it and the game ends up more like what Durgan predicted. That That is more likely if Tom Brady throws two interceptions. But I don't think... I think Brady's too smart to throw two interceptions, even in the Bruce Arians offense where quarterbacks throw interceptions. Um, so I'm not sure about that prediction. I could see the one where they don't punt, actually, interestingly enough. But... I think this could be the most exciting matchup of the week. I know I've said that probably like five times by now. We have some really exciting games week one, and I'm just super excited in general. But the reason I think that is the case is there's just so many unknowns with this Bucks team right now. I mean, you got a new coach, new quarterback. Basically, it's a brand new team, and there's a lot of talent everywhere. Um, so with those unknowns comes uncertainty on my part. I think the Saints have been consistently good to the point where you know I can't necessarily pick a Bucks team that has a very limited offseason to develop that chemistry against a Saints team that's been elite for a long time with some talent that is very familiar with how each other plays and a playbook that, you know, Drew Brees can can uh, manipulate at his will. I'm not sure that Tom Brady's on that same level with what Bruce Arians wants to do. I mean, it's hard. You've said it before, Casey. It's hard for a quarterback, granted one of the best, probably the best quarterback of all time, to come in and uh, be 100% familiar with everything that a head coach wants. I mean, I don't know if that's the case, and I don't think that the Bucks will be on the same level as a team, not necessarily roster talent. It's there on paper, but as a team, I don't think they're going to be on the same level that the Saints are in competitiveness. And is Rob Gronkowski even, you know, in football shape? We, there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks with this Bucks team, which is partially why it's so exciting that this is going to be the Sunday night matchup. But at the same time, it's hard for me to bet against the Saints. So I'm going to pick Saints 34 against the Bucks with 30. I think this will be a fun matchup. And I think, um, you know, the high-powered receivers and, and Tom Brady, it'll be interesting to see how he plays in a system focused on offense and that air raid offense with Bruce Arians. But um, Drew Brees and the Saints are going to come in and I think take this game down, down the stretch. Um, and also Fournette won't play. That's my prediction. I don't think he'll play a single snap. Ooh. I think he plays. Play. 
I don't think he plays. I don't think he plays at all. I think he, he plays the following weeks, but they've said Ronald Jones is their guy. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I kind of doubt it is, to be honest. Otherwise, you wouldn't have gotten like four running backs in the offseason, uh, <laughs> including Fournette. But uh, I think week one, we see a lot of Ronald Jones, and then week two and on, we see a little bit more Fournette being integrated once he's familiar with the offense. Yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it. I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints won, but um, I'm sticking with the Bucks. Hold on to what you believe, man. Uh, let's let's move on to the next matchup here. We got the Cowboys at the Rams. Durgan, hit us with your takes on this. Yeah, as the resident Cowboys optimist, I think they're going to be kind of like the uh, Saints. Get off to a really quick start. Uh, they're hungry to prove that they are contenders, not pretenders. And now they have an actual head coach in Mike McCarthy who knows how to call a game. I think they'll be throwing the ball a lot early. The Rams will make a comeback. Once the Rams don't have to rely on the run and they can kind of do quick passes, I think that helps them out. Uh, the running game is, I mean, I don't want to say it's pathetic, but it doesn't look great. Uh, Jared Goff, I'm a believer in him. I think they'll have some guys put some stats, but their defense and their offensive line, way too many question marks for my liking. And the Cowboys' defensive line is scary now. I mean, you got Lawrence. You got uh, who's the, the guy? They got the Griffin, Everson Griffin, Alden Smith. They got big Dontari Poe in the middle. Those guys will get pressure on Goff, and Goff's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league when it comes to facing pressure. Uh, I think I heard he like forty percent passing last year when uh, under pressure or blitzed. So it's not good. It's not good at all. Cowboys thirty-four, Rams twenty-four. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big believer in Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys in general. But for the third game in a row, I'm going to lone wolf it here. Not to give away Cyrus's pick, but uh, I've got the Rams. I'm picking the Rams. I think Goff lights up that secondary that no longer has Byron Jones. Uh, Cam Akers does well as the running back. Van Jefferson makes a play or two. And they've got Cooper Cup and Robert Woods as well. That that offensive skill group is pretty solid. They have two tight ends, um, Tyler Higby, and you know uh, everything's sort of set up. The question mark is the offensive line, which ranked 31st last year, and the year before it was like one of the top five when they went to the Super Bowl. And like you said, Goff struggles under pressure, not necessarily because. Uh, he gets scared, but a lot of McVeigh's offense is play action. It's running that outside zone and then play action off of it. You do naked bootlegs, all that kind of stuff. And when your offensive line can't hold up, by the time Goff is coming off of that run action, you know, people are right in his face. So he gets one read, maybe two max. And if he holds the ball any longer, he's going to get sacked. Um, so a lot of the time he's turning around and he's having to either throw his first read or just throw it out of the bounds or into the ground to avoid a sack. So, uh, can that offensive line take the next step? They they had some young guys last year. They shuffled things around. It's solidified towards the end of the year. Is that going to show up against a very good Cowboys pass rush now this year and, and specifically in this game? I'm wagering, maybe against my slightly better judgment, that it will because I'm a little bit of a believer in Goff. Uh, I want to see that team bounce back a little bit, even though I'm not a fan of their uniforms either. I think ultimately <laughs> Zeke doesn't look... I don't think Zeke ever really recaptures what he was those first couple of years. I think he's a good running back, but I think he's going to look relatively ordinary. Uh, that Dallas offensive line is aging, 
And I think Dak is going to have to run around and around a lot and, and ultimately make a play to turn the tide of the game. And I don't think he does it. Uh, what 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 do you mean with Zeke though? I just want to know because the, he's he had one of his most productive years last. Year. He's, he's been really productive almost every year he's played, minus the one year that he was out uh, with a suspension, I believe. So, like thirteen, almost fourteen hundred yards and twelve touchdowns. Is that not what you? I don't know. I mean, I guess the volume stats are there. Like he gets a lot of touches, and he may not have that this year just because there's only one ball and there's a lot of uh, talent on this Cowboys team. But what are you yeah. seeing with Zeke that you don't like? Ultimately, it's the, it's the offensive line and the wear and tear on running backs. It, it doesn't help, right? So sure. uh, as his career goes on, as that offensive line deteriorates a, a little bit, Dallas invested a lot of first-round, high-round picks on that offensive line before getting Zeke, and yeah. he stepped into a, a really good situation there. He, he's a really good running back. He's, he's going to get a lot of touches, um, but as those guys age, uh, we saw with Tyron Smith and Frederick and – those guys are starting to deteriorate. I mean, they're still very good, but well, they're not what they used to be. Frederick's retired, tired, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Yeah. of yeah, he didn't feel like he could play at his his highest potential. So he was like, if if I can't play at my best, I'm not going to play. Um, so uh, they've got new guys there. All of a sudden, they still have Lyle Collins. Um, yep. I haven't heard much from him <clears throat> since he, he got, got over hurt. there. But I think he's hurt too, actually. Yeah, it's like right so, now. I think he's. Mm-hmm on the IR list, which means only out for three weeks. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So he's out for this game. Yeah. And knowing Mike McCarthy, he does not love running backs. Like he, he is sure. not an offensive run game kind of guy. He, he's a good passing coordinator and he can get stuff schemed up there. But, uh, he criminally under, underused Aaron Jones on the Packers run game when he was there at the end of the Packers tenure. Uh, um, yeah. so I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think Zeke is going to be this big boom running back uh, that we are used to seeing. Yeah. Hey, listen, I'm look. I'm not defending the Cowboys. You will never catch me doing that. But um, I totally agree with that. And that was, that was part of the reason I was so hesitant to take Zeke in fantasy. I had the third overall pick, and I ended up taking Derrick Henry over Zeke. Was because of all this that you that you mentioned and the change in the scheme. And um, I could see them throwing the ball a lot more this year than they have. So. I'm with you. I think Zeke regresses statistically, but um, I still think he's one of the most talented running backs in the league for sure. Is he as dynamic as I would want as a pass catcher? I mean, he has he's he's good at it, but he's you know not Alvin Kamara in that sense or other players that that are Christian McCaffrey esque. But um, yeah, I I think the Cowboys are too good to lose this game just across the board. I think with a competent head coach, you'll see a different different outlook on the field. Like they're not going to lose games that they have that they're in a position to win statistically. So, you you know, last year, the big knock that I always mentioned was the Cowboys across the board had really great stats on, on paper. They, they had phenomenal stats, in fact, in some categories, but they were losing games that were easily winnable that they should have won. And that's ultimately because of Jer- Jason Garrett. So I think Mike McCarthy fixes that. You know, I have my own opinions about Mike McCarthy as a head coach, of course. And that's not what we're here to talk about. But this Rams team specifically might, you know, they're not a bad team, but they might be the worst team in the NFC West this year, just in general. Um, they have elite players at a few positions. I mean, you, you think Aaron Donald, probably the best defensive player in the league. Jalen Ramsey talked about as, as the best corner in the league. Um, was he towards the end of the year last year? Maybe not, but... He is in that conversation for sure, and he's still young. Casey would argue Goff is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's, I think he's definitely in the top half of the league. 
Um, but you touched on it, and it is what it is. It's the offensive line. If they don't show up, nothing works. And, and uh, you know, I don't think this team can do what they want to do to the point where they'll have a chance of beating this Cowboys team. So I'm going to say Cowboys 27, uh, Rams 17, just because of the offensive line. Um, and that Dallas pass rush being massively improved as well. So it'll be a test right off the right off right out of the gates for the Rams. It'll be a test, and I think you'll see what they are as a, as a unit that offensive line immediately. So it'll it'll be interesting. Um, I just can't pick against this Cowboys team and how stacked they are. As much as I sat here, stared at my computer screen, <laughs> and lamented doing so, I can't pick against them in this matchup. So. And we can't forget that the Rams have a fraud head coach. Boy Wonder doesn't know how to coach a defense. So don't don't forget that, anybody. I don't know why you hate on Sean McVay so much, man. <laughs> boy, he took boy the team Wonder, to the Super Bowl. Boy Wonder is not a head coach. He's an offensive coordinator who acts like a head coach and thinks it's cool to take his shirt off uh, during hard knocks to show off his you know, flat abs and his supermodel fiancé. A little jealous hey, about that, but, you know, if you, still. If you had flat abs and a supermodel fiancé, you'd do the same thing. Yeah, probably true, but still, he's all a fraud. I can't wait to him getting exposed. Love it. Okay, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know that I agree with that, but yeah. my, my, my um, hate. My hate last year with uh, Lamar Jackson. This year, it's uh, on Boy Wonder, Sean McVay. Okay, well, when Shanahan starts calling the defense, let us know, and then we can. Uh, he coaches least. He's not sitting on his uh, stupid uh, Gatorade cooler, looking down. There's this thing that you can do as a head coach where you delegate tasks to your expert assistants. And you let them, you know, have control of that. Like maybe a 60-plus-year-old, very veteran defensive coordinator in Wade Phillips, who's historically had very, very good defenses. Maybe it's like it's okay to let him run the defense, you but know, and it, then you worry about the offense. But Wade's gone this year, so what's he, he going to do now? He's going to freak out. Or maybe he'll take more control of the defense. Oof. Who knows? I'll be rough. You know, I think from an accolade perspective, Shanahan and McVay have had similar careers. So I, I don't know where all the hate comes from. Well, they both went to the Super Bowl. They both lost the Super Bowl. Like, Shanahan we... taught McVay. So, McVay's... And McVay was a head coach before Shanahan. No, same year. Yep. Same year. They had the same year. It's just that one team inherited a pile of crap and one team inherited like 10 Pro Bowlers. Was it the same year? Yeah. 2018? 2017. I don't know. Fact check. Someone should fact check this. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, it is. All right, I'll believe you, but then you know, even even less reason for you to hate on him, really. Oh, we'll see you after this week. I'm, I'm, gonna, pen, I'm gonna pencil in losers for next week when we do winners and losers. Losers, Sean McVay, right, boy, one. All right. Have a Speaking of losers, since we're on the topic of losers, <laughs> let's talk about our toilet bowl of the week. You want to do a little shh, shh, flush noise? No, okay. We need, right. a, we need we need we need, <laughs> we, need we need our guy OBJ to help out with the uh, toilet noises. He's uh, apparently an expert in that department. If you know what I mean. You're catching my joke, my drift. I don't follow your drift at you're, all. You're, you're lucky. You're lucky. We'll talk about this afterwards. Don't 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 <laughs> do not type in Odell Beckham Jr. on Twitter. Just don't do it. You know okay. that I'm gonna do it. Everybody <laughs> listening to this is gonna do it. Now that you've said that, well, right? You'll find out. You will find out. All right. All right. Well, now I have something to look forward to after you, we finish this and wrap it up. Bad. It's bad. Uh, I'll get my prick down first. I hate both these teams. Well, we honest. haven't even said the teams yet. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. I'm excited. So, for the <laughs> Toilet Bowl of the week, calm down, Durgan. I know you're, this is your favorite game. 
Toilet Bowl of the week. We pick a matchup that we think is probably the worst matchup of the week or a matchup between two teams that are really bad. Um, and this week we got the Bears at the Lions. Go ahead, Durgan. Now, now you can get all your excitement. <laughs> yeah. So I don't like either of these teams at all. Polar opposites. Lions, all offense, no defense. Bears, all defense, no offense. I have these teams both, if from my rankings, uh, picking in a top 10 next year's draft. Trubisky, yikes. Uh, Stafford, I mean, this might be his last chance in Detroit, to be honest. Uh, Patricia is probably be gone, uh, but we'll see what happens. But I have a close game. It'll be 28-27 in favor of the Lions. Stafford is Mr. Fourth Quarter. He, uh, I think he's up there in terms of fourth quarter comebacks all time. So I like chances of the Lions at home to come back and win this game. Yeah, okay. I, I I like the Lions. The Lions are definitely more exciting to watch. I'll, I'll say that for sure. Um, just because they're offensively focused. They have some some good uh, skill guys outside. Stafford is really, really good. I, mean, I think a lot of people forget that he played half the season and he had 2,500 yards and 19 touchdowns in one half of the season. So he was on pace for being in the MVP conversation. I mean, if you get 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns in a season, that's that's pretty darn good. But you got to win so, games, though. got to win games to be MVP. You do, but I, I think the, the Lions definitely win more more yeah. games if, if he's at quarterback when they don't have you know David Blau uh, playing on Thanksgiving. God. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. That was quite the snoozer to wake up to Thanksgiving morning. But um, Patricia gave up play calling duties on defense, so maybe that will will help. Um, he's notoriously been a guy that likes to drop a lot of people in coverage and doesn't blitz a lot. So maybe they'll spice it up, you know, throw some blitzes in there. That defense will sort of come together a little bit. I think Akuda is going to be really good. I don't know if he's going to start right off the bat. I've heard that he struggled a little bit in camp and might take a few weeks to sort of break into that starting lineup on a consistent basis. Um, but ultimately, I trust the the Lions' offense more than I trust the Bears' defense. The Bears' defense was was really good last year. I think Akeem Hicks might have opted out um, on that defense. Uh, Khalil Mack sort of had a little bit of a down year. Um, Eddie Jackson is really good, but ultimately, I I, I just think the Lions are going to have too much firepower. Not that they're going to, you know, I do have them scoring a lot, but I just don't think that even though the Lions' defense is is not great. I don't trust the Bears' offense to be able to score consistently. So I have the Lions also winning uh, by a wider margin, though, 31-20 to 20 over the Bears. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, and I've said it before, Stafford is probably one of the most underrated QBs in the league. I mean, he's a franchise QB who's just consistently been in sort of not great situations. I mean, since Megatron retired, I don't even know um what this team has really done to put him in a position to succeed and then you know with injuries and stuff so Stafford is is a phenomenal quarterback and I'm not just saying that because I drafted him in in fantasy in one of my <laughs> leagues he really is and um I think this year could be a surprising year for the Lions specifically on offense you look at their skill position group I mean Carrion Johnson had a good year last year they got DeAndre Swift who I, I like a lot um Kenny Galladay legit number one receiver I don't think people know his name like he is one but he plays like one and people will know his name after this season Marvin Jones Jr. is no slouch um TJ Hawkinson is a solid tight end as well so it'll be it'll be a fun year for the Lions if they can if they can stay healthy and I think um they'll be competitive actually throughout the the season can't say the same for the Bears though I mean 
you named Trubisky your starting quarterback after going out and getting Nick Foles as if that was going to be some sort of solution at the position. Um, look, I love I love Nick Nick Foles, Big Dick Nick. It's my guy. You know, won the Eagles their Super Bowl, but he's not the answer long term. And the Bears have a lot more question marks than they do answers at this point. So, I think the Lions take this one by a touchdown, twenty four seventeen. Um, so. You know, we'll see. I think if I had to name one coach that's on the hot seat before the season even started, starts, it's Matt Patricia. He's probably my least favorite coach in the league uh, as a head coach. And now you give up. First of all, you were not even that good of a, a coach, like from an emotional awareness, emotional intelligence perspective to begin with. And your value was that you were supposed to be a good defensive mind. And now you give that play calling up as if, I mean, I know you're still developing the scheme and everything, but... I don't know. You you look more expendable in my eyes if I'm the owner of the team at that point, assuming you have success. Then, and if you don't, it's even worse. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not a believer in him as a head coach. I like the Lions personnel, and I'm, I'm a huge Matthew Stafford fan. So we'll see what happens there. You guys have any uh, final thoughts here before we wrap things up on episode 55? I mean, no. I don't know how you could hate a guy that keeps a pencil behind his ear at all times, <laughs> but uh, that's know, part of the reason why. <laughs> it's you've got to be list. ready to write stuff down man you never know when a when an idea is going to strike and he's always ready consummately prepared mm-hmm. okay you don't want to use like the notes app in your phone you need like a piece of paper for sure no his his ready thumbs th- are too chubby and too big to mm. you know he hits a lot of the he's ready for the sat that's what it is sat favorite for a uh, best head coach score there's yeah. no more sats anymore though so they got that's true so he's yeah. ready for uh i don't know he's ready to write his college essay yeah, I don't know. He 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 better be ready to do something because I don't think he's going to be the head well, coach of the Lions yeah. much longer. Just <laughs> uh, follow his resume. Yeah, new job. Where, yeah, that's what the the pencils for Casey. There you go. Making yeah. notes on his resume. We uh, got one stop. What? We got one stop. Is what his resume is. is oh yeah yeah yeah. Anyways. We got one stop. Multiple we tr- losing seasons. We tried. Yeah yeah. You know, <laughs> lots ch- of accolades. I changed my pencil and we still didn't win. Yeah, he sharpened it didn't do anything anyways let's wrap things up there on episode 55 of the weekly spiral thank you so much for sticking with us and tuning in we're really excited for the season to start we have a lot of exciting content coming up as well throughout the season and we're uh, looking forward to going through that journey with you beautiful listeners out there casey do you have anything you want to let them know is coming up yeah uh mike gasecki tight end for the miami dolphins um breakdown on him coming out on wednesday today um and i will also be talking on raiders radio about darren waller their tight end who i'm I'm very high on i grabbed him in one of my fantasy leagues he's a super important part of that offense um so if you want a little bit of an overdose on tight ends you can go watch the gasecki breakdown uh and then you can listen to me talk about darren waller that same day what time are you talking about darren waller 3 p.m pacific 3 p.m and you can check our Twitter. We'll, we'll post a yep. link out if you're interested in hearing more about De- uh, Darren Waller. Uh, Casey will be live on air chatting with the official radio station of the Las Vegas Raiders. Durgan, what about you, man? Anything coming up you want to shout out? Yes. Penny Sewell, the former Oregon offensive tackle, probably a top five pick in the draft. He opted out the season. There is a season on Monday. So I dropped his uh, scouting report as available. And also I'll be tweeting out the gambling picks. Probably nice. Friday or Thursday. I'll do it. Check that out if you want to win some money. They're going to have lose a pretty money. good record. Yeah. No, no, no. We only win here. We're winners That's only. That's right. Except for, yeah. uh, B- <laughs> except for BYU Navy, we're all winners. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. 
This has been a Weekly Spot production, bringing you fresh football every week. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We are excited for the season. We hope you are too, and we look forward to exploring it all with you as it progresses. Uh, Tune in next week for episode 56. We'll give you our winners and losers for the week, as well as some predictions for the following week. And yeah, thank you so much for sticking with us. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.